Jabez, by contrast, was so certain that God's hand upon him was necessary for blessing that he couldn't imagine a life of honor without it. Let's look more closely at the meaning of his prayer. The hand of the Lord is a biblical term for God's power and presence in the lives of his people. See Joshua 4.24, Isaiah 59.1. In Acts, the phenomenal success of the early church was attributed to one thing. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Acts 11.21. A more specific New Testament description for God's hand is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The church growth bears powerful witness to both the necessity and availability of the hand of God to accomplish the business of God. Consider the natural progression from more blessing to more territory to the need for supernatural power. When Jesus gave his disciples the Great Commission, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always, Matthew 18, 19, 20. He was bestowing on them both an incredible blessing and an impossible task. In all the world to preach, certainly a disaster in the making. After all, he was commissioning such unreliable cowards as Peter, who had always, who had already proved that a girl by a campfire could get him to deny he ever heard of Jesus. Yet when he sent the Holy Spirit, Acts one eight, Jesus touched these ordinary believers with greatness, filling them with his miraculous power to spread the gospel. In fact, you'll notice in Luke's account that the phrase filled with the Spirit is often linked to a consequence they spoke with boldness. Only God at work through them could account for the miracles and mass conversions that follow. When we ask for God's mighty presence like Jabez in the early church did, we will also see tremendous results that can be explained only as from the hand of God. What strikes me about the early church was that believers continually sought to be filled by God. They were known as a community who spent hours and even days in prayer together, waiting upon God and asking for His power. They were longing to receive more of God's hand, a fresh spiritual infilling of God's power that would turn impending certain failure into a mistake into a miracle and make their extraordinary assignment possible. Paul told the Christians of Ephesians to make it a priority to be filled with all the fullness of God, Ephesians 3.19. To the end, he prayed that God will bless and strengthen them with mighty, with might through his spirit. When was the last time your church got together and pleaded for the filling of the spirit? When was the last time you petitioned God regularly and fervently Oh, put your hand upon me. Fill me with your spirit. The rapid spread of the good news in the Roman world couldn't have happened any other way. Many years ago, while I was serving as a youth pastor at a large church in New Jersey, 12 high school kids proved to me that the hand of God is available to every believer who asks. For a summer ministry project, we had prayerfully set out sites on suburban Long Island, New York, objective to evangelize the youths of the area in six weeks. We decided on a three-part strategy. We would begin with backyard Bible studies, switch to 
beach evangelism in the afternoon and then wrap it up with an evening outreach through local churches. Sounds simple, but I don't have to tell you that the team you pastor included felt overwhelmed by the size of the task. We invited a specialist in children's ministry on Long Island to give us some training. He told our missionary band that getting 13 or 14 kids in a backyard club will be a smashing success. After he left, I quietly said, if we don't have 100 kids in each club by the end of the week, we should consider it a failure. Suddenly, all of us wanted to get down on our knees and pray. I'll never forget those young, earnest prayers. Lord, please bless us. And Lord, I know it's way over my head, but please give me a hundred kids. And Lord, by your spirit, pull off something great for your glory. Parents kept telling our team that what we were attempting was impossible, and I'm sure they were right, but it started happening. Four of the six teams had more than 100 children crammed into their meetings the first week. Some groups had to move to homes where two backyards adjoined without fences so all the kids could fit. By week's end, we had shared the good news with more than 500 children, most of whom had never been to church. If that wasn't enough miracles, the beach face of our missions to Long Island brought more, helped along by a little magic. Actually, I went into a local novelty shop and came back to the group with a beginner's magic kit. You know, everything you need to amaze and impress your friends. I stayed up until 3 a.m. learning how to make an egg disappear. By the next afternoon, we were unrolling a free magic show in the sand and pleading with God for his hand to be upon us. Specifically, we were asking the Lord for 30 decisions for salvation by the end of the the first day. Our audience grew from a single row of squirming children dropped off by parents who wanted a few minutes of peace to more than 150 bathing-suited customers. We rotated the entertainment from magic shows to storytelling to gospel presentations. Parents began edging closer. Finally, clusters of teenagers started swelling our crowd. By the end of the afternoon, we had reached a count of 250, and when we finally gave an invitation, no fewer than 30 people indicated they wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior right there on the beach. Once we had established our beach ministry, we added evening crusades for youth and local churches. God bless our efforts beyond anyone's expectations, but right in line with the scope of our Javas prayer, by the end of our six-week invasion, we could count 1,200 new believers on Long Island, all of whom received help and follow-up material. Those 12 high school kids returned to their comfortable middle-class lives in the suburb, convinced that God can do anything. The first thing that changed was their home church because they decided to pray for the Holy Spirit to move in their own congregation and bring repentance and revival. Impossible? Not at all. Twelve kids and a youth sponsor watch as God's hand moved through the church. As the members of the mission team shared their stories and challenged the church to ask God for more, revival swept through the church like no one could remember. All because 12 students asked for blessings, indeed, for more territory for God's glory and for his hand of power to be upon them. Like any loving dad at the 
playground. God is watching and waiting for you to ask for the supernatural power he offers. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Second Chronicles 69. Notice that our God is not scanning the horizon for spiritual giants or seminar standouts. He is eagerly seeks those who are sincerely loyal to him. Your loyal heart is the only part of his expansion plan that he will not provide. You and I are always only one plea from inexplicable spirit-enabled exploits. By his touch, you can experience supernatural enthusiasm, boldness, and power. It is up to you. Ask every day for the Father's touch. Because for the Christian, dependence is just another word for power. Amen. And that ends our readings for today. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Lord God, we ask you for great power. We ask you, Lord, for extraordinary success with you. Lord, we have to have more, Lord. We have to have more of you, more of the Holy Spirit, more of your presence in our lives to do great things, Lord. We ask you for more souls, Lord. We ask you, Lord God, that we may touch and get more people saved, Lord God. The more influences will go through, Lord God. The more messages will touch more people's lives, Lord. That many will say, yes, Lord. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need salvation. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and make me brand new. Come and restore my heart and mind, Father, right back into the Father's arms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Psalm 118, 8 and 9. In Jeremiah 17, 5, 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out his roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Isaiah 17, 5 and 8. Be the blessed person described in the Bible. Who wouldn't want to be the blessed one in Jeremiah 17? In both good and bad times, the blessed one thrives and reigns. They are like trees planted by the water, with this root spread out by the river. When the heat is on, when the competition the economy heats up, when there is financial drought, they don't fear or worry. Their leaves remain green and full of zap and young and fresh. And he continues to be 
and they continue to be fruitful, always succeeding and seeing the desired results, whether in business, career, family life, health, ministry, physical fitness, in words, proper words. How do you enjoy the blessings of the blessed person? You look not to a man, but to Jesus alone. Looking to Jesus is to meditate on his word, his unmerited favor, and his gift of righteousness. Begin to truly put your trust and hope in Jesus instead of in your own strength or other people or the economy. Then get ready to thrive and be bountifully fruitful, whether time for good or bad. It boggles the imagination and how to switch over from trusting your own. People say, believe in yourself, trust in your heart. I believe you can do all that if it's if it's soaked in prayer and acknowledging God in the morning. Then you can go out there and do that. You can rely on your own strength, the strength that the Lord supplies. You can rely on your own wits, the wits that the Lord supplies. And for the Lord says, whatever you give to me, I will prosper. It will be a blessing, whatever you give to me. And, and another way to do it, too, is, is thank Him for the opposition. Thank Him for the, for the problems, the situations, and let God be God. And then we acknowledge Him all the time. We acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, and we shall succeed. Acknowledge Him. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge You as we read these books, Lord. Speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, Lord God, that we may continue to love You and praise You and worship You. We give You praise and thanksgiving, Jesus, for all of our sons and daughters. We praise You, Jesus, for our brothers and sisters. We praise You for their lives, for their souls. We praise you for our fathers fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts and grandpas and grandmothers and all of our kinfolk, Lord. We praise you for our friends, Jesus. We praise you for their lives just the way they are. We praise you for our employers, Lord God, and the people at our workplace and the workforce, Lord. We pray for all the people that we come in contact with, Lord, that you will heal them, establish them, carry them in your arm, secure them for heavenly bound blessings, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the economy and the people that run the nation, Lord. We praise you for the country and all the leadership and all the all the aviation and all the help in running a great country, Lord. We just thank you for your word and we bless your people, your ministers, and everyone that's doing your work. We acknowledge and bless them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we thank you, Father, for our circumstances. We thank you for our lives just the way they are. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Hallelujah. We are complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Our next reading, by the way, that was from Joseph's Prince book called Provision Promises. That Jeremiah... God calling. <clears throat> By the way, happy Valentine's Day to all you sweethearts out there. Cuddle, cuddle. Love, love. Send good thoughts to people. If you don't have someone, uh, be will you be my Valentine? Let me give you a hug. 
strengthen your heart with a hug and acknowledge you that you're important. I love you, care for you, and thank the world of you. May you be established in the goodness and the love of God. Amen. Amen. February 14, in my presence, Jesus speaking, says, You do not realize that you would have broken down under the weight of your cares, but for the renewing time with me, it is not what I say, it is I myself. It is not the hearing me so much as the being as being in my presence. The strengthening and curative powers of the of this you cannot know. Such knowledge is beyond your human reckoning. This would cure the poor sick world if every day each soul or, or group of souls waited before me. Remember that you must never fail to keep this time apart with me. Gradually, you will be transformed physically, mentally, spiritually, and into my likeness. All who see you or contact with you will be, by this intercourse with you, brought near to me, and gradually the influence will spread. You are making one spot of earth a holy place, and though you must work and spend yourself ceaselessly, because that is for the pre present your appointed task, yet the greatest work either of you can do and are doing is done in this time apart with me. Are you understanding that? Do you know that every thought, every activity, every prayer, every longing of the day is gathered up and offered to me now? Oh, joy, joy that I am with you. For this I came to her to lead man back to spirit, converse with his God. Amen and amen. Our next reading is from the little 24-hour book with the same condensed reading. The meditation side for February 14th says, I must keep a time apart with God every day. Gradually, I will be transformed mentally and spiritually. It is not the praying so much as just being in God's presence. The strengthening and the curative powers of this I cannot understand, because such knowledge is beyond human understanding. But I can experience them. The poor, sick world would be cured if every day each soul waited before God for the inspiration to live all right. My greatest spiritual growth occurs in this time apart with God. Amen. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may faithfully keep a quiet time apart with God. I pray that I may grow spiritually each day. Amen to that. And now a reading from Jesus Calling. February 14th. Give yourself fully to the adventure of today. Walk boldly along the path of life. Relying on your ever-present companion, your ever, every reason to be confident. Because my presence accompanies you all the days of your life and onward into eternity. Do not give in to fear or worry, those robbers of abundant living. Trust me enough to face problems as they come, rather than trying to anticipate them. 
Fix your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of your faith. And many difficulties on the road ahead will vanish before you reach them. Whenever you start to feel afraid, remember that I am holding you by your right hand. Nothing can separate you from my presence, saith the Lord Jesus Christ. You are mine. Amen. Jesus today. Random reading. By the day... By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Psalms 42, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brother's throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Psalm 63, verse 6 and 8. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My fall, my soul, <laughs> follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Psalm 63, 6 and 8. Amen. When I remember you on my bed, Lord, I meditate on your on you in the night because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Amen. By day, I, the Lord, direct my love. At night, my song is with you. For I am the God of your life. Take heart, my child, knowing that I am in charge of everything in your life. During the day, I command my love to bless you in countless ways. So be on the lookout for the many good things I place along your path. Ask my spirit to open your eyes so that you can perceive and receive all these blessings. Do not be discouraged by the hard things you encounter. For this is part of living in a deeply fallen world. Rejoice that my song is with you throughout the night as I lovingly watch over you. If you are wakeful, use this time to seek my face and enjoy my peaceful presence. A tender intimacy with me can develop when you remember me on your bed, meditating on me in the night watches, whether you are waking or sleeping or walking. I am always present with you, for I am indeed the God of your life. Amen. Joe for today. <clears throat> your best life today. February 14. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in our lives. One touch from God, Psalm 23, 6, the Message Bible. You're beautiful and love chase after me every day of my life. Excuse me. Your beauty and love chases after me every day of my life. Amen. 
The beauty and the love of the Lord chases after us every day. This, <clears throat> this day, if you are living favor-minded, the Bible says, God's blessings are going to chase you down and overtake you. In other words, you won't be able to outrun the good things of God. Everywhere you go, things are going to change in your favor. Every time you turn around, somebody's going to want to do something good for you. It's all due to the favor of God. The favor of God comes in the midst of life challenges. When you are going through tough times, even if your situation looks impossible, stay in an attitude of faith and start declaring God's favor. Instead of being discouraged and developing a sore attitude, one touch of God's favor can turn everything around in your life. Amen and amen. Touch us, O oh Lord, touch us. And today I'll be reading the prayer of Jabez. Huh, did I read? It's time to read number four, right? The touch of greatness. Okay, it says, Oh, that your hand will be with me. Now you've done it, gone over the edge, gotten into too deep, come up smack against the cold stone of reality. You are unable to hold on to the life you reach for. Having dared to ask for an enlarged ministry, more than a few Christians have faltered at this point in their spiritual transformation. They received blessings on the scale they hadn't imagined possible. They seen God stretch the limits of their influence and opportunity. Okay, let's go ahead and pray that prayer again, the prayer of Jabez, just to bring you up to speed. We've been read, we read the first, second, and third chapter. Now we're on the fourth of this little book, the Jabez prayer. And how does the prayer go? Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand will be upon me and that you will keep me from evil, that it may not harm me. Amen. I don't know if that's the same translation, but I took it out of memory. There's, there's, in different translations, it's just pronounced a little different all the time. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. The word indeed is in action, in my acting, that you would bless me in my acting. Acting as if we have a daddy and he hears our prayers and he says, yes, my son. Go for it. Believe and receive. Amen. Again, they received blessings on a scale they hadn't imagined possible. They've seen God stretch the limits of their influence and opportunities. But suddenly the rush of the wind under their wings stops. Helpless, they start to plummet. Sounds familiar? Maybe your new business opportunity threatens to outrun outrun your experience and resources. Maybe the teenagers who are who have started congregating in your kitchen suddenly seem to be influencing 
your family more negatively than you are influencing them positively. Maybe the new ministry opportunities you prayed for and received are turning out to require a person with much more ability than you will ever have. You have taken up an armload of God's blessings. March into new territory and stumble into overwhelming circumstances. When believers find themselves in this kind of unexpected quandary, they often feel afraid, misled, abandoned, a little angry, into the fog. I did. Descending to power. Talk about plummeting. I felt out of control and weak. Nothing like a leader is supposed to feel. And most days, all I could see was the ground rushing up at me. It was early in my ministry adventure after doors had started to burst open and exciting new possibilities at walk through the Bible. But I just couldn't shake the feeling that I was in the wrong man for the job. Extremely upset, I decided to seek the counsel of a trusted older man. John Mitchell was in his 80s, then a joke. Yorkshire from Bourne Bible teacher who had been a spiritual father to thousands. I told him what I thought God was calling me to do and then confessed my problem. I was still trying to describe my crisis in some detail when he broke in. Son, son, he said in his kindly tongue. That feeling you're running from is called dependence. It means you're walking with the Lord Jesus. He paused to let me take in his words, then continue. Actually, the second you're not feeling dependent is the second you backed away from truly living by faith. I didn't like what I heard. You're saying, Dr. Mitchell, that feeling that I just can't do it is what I'm supposed to be feeling? Why, certainly, young man, he said, beaming that that's the one, all right. It's a frightening and utterly exhilarating rush, isn't it? As God-chosen, blessed sons and daughters, we are expected to attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed, unless God steps in. Take a minute to prayerfully try to comprehend how contrary the truth is to everything you would humanly choose. It goes against common sense. It contradicts your previous life experience. It seems to disregard your feelings, training, and need for security. It sets you up to look like a fool and a loser. Yet it is God's plan for his most honored servants. I'll admit big screen. Heroes don't seem to put any stock in dependence, but you and I were made for it. Dependence upon God makes heroes of ordinary people like Jabez. And you and me, how we're forced to cry out with Jesus' third desperate plea. Oh, that your hand will be with me. With that, we release God's power to accomplish his will and bring him glory through all those seemingly impossibilities. Notice that Jabez did not begin his prayer by asking God for God's hands to be with him. At that point, he didn't seem, he didn't sense the need. Things were still manageable. His risks and the fears that go with them were 
minimal, but with his boundaries got moved out, and the kingdom side task of of God's agenda started coming at him. Jabez knew he needed a divine hand, and fast he could have turned back or he could have tried to keep going on his own strength. Instead, he prayed. And seeking God's blessing is our ultimate act of worship. And asking to do more for him is our utmost ambition than asking for God's hand upon us. It is our strategic choice to sustain and continue the great things that God has begun in our lives. That's why we could call God's hand on you the touch of greatness. You do not become great. You become dependent on the strong hand of God. You, you're surrounded. And your surrendered knee turns into his ultimate opportunity. And he becomes great through you. A ladder to the clouds. One day when our kids were preschoolers, Darlene and I found ourselves with them at a large city park in Southern California. It was the kind of park that makes a grown man wish he was a kid again. It had swings, monkey bars, and seesaws. But what was most interesting were the slides, not just one slide, but three, from small to medium to enormous. David, who was five at the time, took off like a shot for the small slide. Why don't you go down with him, Darlene suggested. But I had another idea. Let's wait and see what happens, I said. So we relaxed on a nearby bench and watched. David clambered happily to the top of the smallest slide. He waved at us with a big smile, then whisked down. Without hesitation, he moved over to the middle-sized slide. He had climbed halfway up the ladder when he turned and looked at me. I looked away. He pondered his options for a moment, then carefully backed down one set of time. Honey, you ought to go out to help him, my wife said. Not yet, I replied, hoping the twinkle in my eye would reassure her that I wasn't just being careless. David spent a few minutes at the bottom of the middle slide, watching other clears, clears, kids climb up, whiz down and turn around and do it again. Finally, his little mind was made up. He could do it. He climbed up and sliding down three times, in fact, without even looking at us. Then we watched him and turned and headed towards the highest slide. Now Darlene was getting anxious. Bruce, I don't think he should do that by himself. Do you? No, I replied as calmly as possible. But I don't think he will. Let's see what he does. When David reached the bottom of the giant slide, he turned to call out, Daddy, but I glanced away again, pretending I couldn't hear him. He peered up the ladder in his young imagination. It must have reached to the clouds. He watched a teenage boy go hurtling down the slide. Then, against all odds, he decided to try step by step, hand over the hand. He inched up the ladder he hadn't reached a third of the way when he froze. By this time, the teenager was coming up behind him and yelled at him. 
to get going, but David couldn't. He couldn't go up or down. He had reached the point of certain failure. I rushed over there. Are you okay, son? I asked him to, on the bottom of the ladder. He looked down at me, shaken, but clinging to the ladder with steely determination, and I could tell he had a qu question ready. Dad, will you come down the slide with me? He asked. The teenager was losing patience but I couldn't about to let the moment go. Why, son? I asked him. I asked, peering up into the little face. I can't do it without you, Dad, he said. Trembling is too big for me. I stretched out as high as I could to reach him and lifted him into my arms. Then we climbed the, that long ladder up the clouds together. At the top, I put my son between my legs and wrapped my arms around him. Then we went sipping down the slide together, laughing all the way. Ha, ha, ha. His hand, his spirit. This is what your father's hand is like. You tell him, Father, please do this in me because I cannot do it alone. It is too big for me. And you step out in faith and to do. And the things you... That could only come from his hand afterwards. Your spirit is shouting, God did that. God did it. Nobody else. God carried me. God carried me. God gave me the words. God gave me the power. It is wonderful. Again, your spirit starts to celebrate. It says, God did that. God did it. Nobody else. God carried me. God gave me the words. Gave me the power. And it is wonderful. I couldn't recommend more highly living in this supernatural dimension. God's power under us, in us, surging through us, is exactly what turns dependence into unforgettable experiences of completeness. Not that we are sufficient ourselves, Paul wrote, to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who made also made a sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Second Corinthians three, five and six. Tragic as it may sound, the hand of the Lord is so seldom experienced by even mature Christians that they don't doesn't miss it and don't ask for it. And but they hardly know it exists. They think of it as something reserved for prophets and apostles, but not for them. As you expect, when these believers arrive at points of certain failure, they tend to come to the wrong conclusion. They've gone too far. I ended up in the wrong place. And since I already have all that resources, I'm going to get, I need to exit fast. Proverbs 15. A soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instructions, but he who receives reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh correction is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates reproofs will die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him, nor will he go to the wise. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. A wrathful man stirs up strife, But he who is slow to anger allies contention. Avoids contention. The way of the slothful man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of an upright is a highway. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment. But a man of understanding walks uprightly. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is. The way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. But the words of the pure are pleasant. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live.
the heart of the righteous study how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours for evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. The ear that hears the reproof of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instructions despises his own soul, but he who heeds reproof gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and yes, before honor is humility. Psalm 15, Lord, who abide, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, and whose eyes a vile person is despised, But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Psalm 45 My heart is overflowing with a good theme. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I recite my composition concerning the king. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Psalm 75, New King James Version. I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Psalms 105. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in all his strength. Seek his face evermore. 
Remember his marvelous works, what he has done, his wonders, and the judgment of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen one, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, and confirmed it to Jacob for a statue, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the, the land of Canaan and the allotment of your inheritance, when there were but few in number, indeed very few in strangers in it. The covenant he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statue, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When they were but few in number, indeed, very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land, and he destroyed all the provisions of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters of iron. He was laid in shackles of iron. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possession, to bind his princes to his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up the vegetation of their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in the land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there were none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was very glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise 
and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from on high. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, all you servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for Himself, Israel for His special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders in the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless, said be the Lord out of Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you. Proverbs 15. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instructions, but he who receives reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh correction is for him who forsakes the way, 
and he who hates reproof will die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him, nor will he go to the wise. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allies contention. Avoids contention. The way of the slothful man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment. But a man of understanding walks uprightly. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. The way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous study how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. The ear that hears the reproof of life will abide among the wise. He who disains instructions despises his own soul, but he who heeds reproofs gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and yes, before honor is humility. <clears throat>